It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler, and this is my Casino Combat Podcast. And it's K that we spell combat that way. Hello everyone, hopefully episode 8 has no aces. Let's do the important stuff so that I can start rambling about gambling. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary persons, children of all ages and persuasions who are of legal age, this podcast discusses gambling and casinos. Gambling is a morally questionable life choice. Do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay your bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know the phone number for your local problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that phone number. We will make sure you have that phone number. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. All right, here we go. A bit of a change in things this week, everyone. I'm going to do the rambling travel segment before I do core concepts, so I can kind of wrap up the month of July in core concepts and talk about winning the month, not the day. I will share some casino wisdom, and I have a really fun story about free money and Jedi Mind Tricks in the VIP Lounge today. First up, questions my sons ask. What? What? My sons ask questions, and much appreciated listeners ask questions too. Today, I have a question from Andre. Well, more like a statement, but the email came to questions at casinocombat.com, so I wanted to respond. Andre writes... I've never been to a casino. I'm trying to process all of this and imagine doing it. I want to try, but it's just a lot. And he actually capitalized all the letters in a lot. Andre, I, I, I completely understand. Do not, just don't be so tough on yourself. I spent 30 years plus learning all this. And sometimes I'd learn and study for a year between visits to a casino. You just put all that stuff into your brain in 30 to 50 minute pieces. And if you binged it, boom, 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 boom. It should take a while for you to process all this. My suggestion is don't don't try to do all of it at once, especially if you've never even been in a casino. Break it into pieces. Sure, I said, go to a Bach Rock table, play bank, boom, I taught you, now you can do it. That doesn't mean you necessarily can do it, or if you can, that you're necessarily ready to do it. Look at it another way. Get an app for your phone that lets you do Baccarat with no money, or on a computer or a tablet, and spend some time playing. Try the betting strategy in that app with imaginary money. Get used to the game and how it flows from home, on the train, you know, where there's no pressure. In fact, you can break this whole thing into smaller pieces. Find a casino near you. Do some research about it. Figure out kind of what you can without even getting close, just using the internet. Now take a visit without any money. I mean, not without any money. I don't know that I ever recommend that to any adult. But, you know, take a few bucks for coffee or whatever, but leave any meaningful money, any significant money that you could actually gamble with at home or in the car. Park, go in, look around, find a Bach Rock table, since I assume that you're not going to try blackjack right off the jump, stand back 
watch the game for a while. No one's going to mind if you're a lurker. While you're there, go to the Players Club. Get a rewards card. When you've seen things and picked up a card, head on out. I mean, unless they give you free slot play with the rewards card. And don't forget, one of my casino wisdoms is never leave the casino without playing your free play. So you could do that. And maybe you pick up a few bucks without risking any of your money. So now at this point, you've actually been in a casino and you completed a couple of the core concepts. You have a reward card for your next visit and you've left a casino without losing money. A lot of people can't do that. A lot of people rarely, if ever, do that. Since you've been listening, you know how important I think knowing when to leave is if you're going to be successful at having a casino lifestyle. My father once told me, son, you decided to eat the elephant. That doesn't mean you need to finish it in one bite. So if this is all new to you, take it slow and take small bites of the elephant. Understand also that you're going to make mistakes. I have, Gabriel has, maybe the walking Wikipedia doesn't very often anymore. He's a bit older and wiser than we are, but it's gonna happen. You're gonna make mistakes. As long as you remember not to gamble with money you can't afford to lose or money you need to pay bills, mistakes are not fatal. They're just mistakes. Learn from them, move on. It's just part of the process. And it is a lot. So take it in pieces. You're in no hurry. Casinos are open almost every day, everywhere. They'll be there when you're ready. As I said, we are out of order today, so now it's time to ramble. This week, Mrs. TRG and I went back to what we've been calling Casino 2. Table limits have started to come down. Some $15 tables were available even later in the evening when things got busy. The most notable change is that adult beverages are no longer served at tables or slot machines. And all the bars are closed except the one in the food court. Apparently there's a new order or regulation and only bars that serve food are allowed to be open and you must order food to be served an adult beverage. This was actually both amusing and fun to watch. Word quickly spread among the younger crowd that soup was only $2 at the food court. So they would leave the table, go to the food court, order, order soup and a beverage, and then return to gambling without the soup. In the sports bar, the rules were a little more relaxed. As long as your final bill included a food item, you could sit and be served as long as you liked. As we come in and are finding a table, there's a party of four in the corner who had a couple of rounds of drinks. They shared a pretzel with cheese sauce as an appetizer and then had another couple rounds of drinks in quick succession. The one young lady was a bit unstable on her feet as she, uh, as she went to the restroom. We hope everyone made good choices and was safe, and we enjoyed watching them find ways around the rules. Anyway, we loved this hotel, which they discounted for us on this trip, and I received a postcard from them actually this week offering two free weekday nights next month, one the first two weeks and one the second two weeks, and uh, an established discount for weekend nights for the whole month. Not perfect. 
Obviously, I'd prefer free all the time. They're just not seeing me at that property as that kind of player, at least not yet. But school's starting next month, and Mrs. TRG will be busier with work, so I may take advantage of those free nights, depending on what other stuff comes in the mail. The gambling was tough again for Mrs. TRG, and I, I wasn't offsetting things enough to make up for it. We ended up losing and spending a little more than a day's pay. We got back to the room, and I was actually reminding Mrs. TRG of something from an HBO series that we enjoy watching. It's called Boardwalk Empire, and it's about organized crime uh, during Prohibition. But anyway, Season 4, Episode 4, Arnold Rothstein insists that Nookie Thompson, who runs Atlantic City and, and owns an underground casino there, join a poker game. And when Nookie is basically just trying to humor him and slow play things, Rothstein baits him into playing more aggressively to prove he's trying to win. Later in the episode, we see Mr. Rothstein losing, and he takes a marker for $200,000, and he pushes it all into the game only to lose the hand. Finally, toward the end of the episode, we see the poker table where several of the players have left, and Nookie's still there, and Mr. Rothstein is down to just a handful of chips. He's playing for very small stakes. He's keeping people there longer than they'd really like to stay because he wants to win. And he's being a completely complete jerk to the dealer about everything. So his associate, Mr. Meyer, suggests it's time to call it a night, and Rothstein refuses. And a few minutes later, Mr. Meyer leans in and says, Isn't it better for people to not see you like this? So he stands up and collects his few chips and leaves, and he says, I relish the action. Which, by the way, if you're trying to be good at gambling, relishing the action is a problem, not, not a virtue. Mr. Myers goes to, Mr. Meyer goes to speak to Nookie in, a, in private, and Rookie says, Don't worry, Mr. Rothstein's line of credit will stay at a million dollars. It's not a problem. And Mr. Meyer responds and says, I don't want you to extend him any more credit. And Nikki looks a little worried and a little worried and says, "Isn't he good for it?" Mr. Meyer says, "Yes, of course he's good for it, but everyone hits a rough patch, and Mr. Rothstein doesn't like to lose." Nookie's response is, for me, a lesson for the ages. He says, "No one likes to lose, but we all have to learn sometime. It's a lesson I always keep in mind. If you live." a casino lifestyle, you are going to lose from time to time, sometimes more often than you would like. A good gambler learns to handle that and not react negatively. In the cold light of day, Mrs. TRG was fine, especially after we ran down the results for the month. Next in our Out of Order, Episode 8, Casino Combat Core Concepts. I thought today that I would look at the last of the core concepts, which is win the month, not the day. Keep losses small so that if you lose the month, you can make it up with comps and gifts. It should be pretty obvious that there isn't a lot I'm going to teach about this. I mean, other than all the stuff I've taught you already about minimizing your losses and being smart about walking away from the table. So I thought maybe a review of how this month went for us 
would be illustrative. Let's be honest, everyone, as nice as June was, for us, July was a real slog. The trip south didn't go as planned. Mrs. TRG really struggled. I wasn't able to pick up the slack. Costs continued to be higher than I would like. And if we're being honest, you all know, I would like my cost to be virtually non-existent. I'd like the, the, the property to pick up all of that stuff. Understandably, there were not a lot of gifts or entertainment being given away. So let's see how it all went. After expenses, we finished up almost four days pay. Some of that was from solo trips that I made locally. You might recall one of those days of win came out of a slot machine. So really, if we're talking about us using the core concepts, it's really only a win after expenses of about three days pay. We also received the following. Six $2 scratch-off lottery tickets. Five discounted hotel nights, two comped hotel nights, $40 in free play, $210 in match play, and $90 in assorted Visa and gas gift cards. So we won. We won! We won! Um, I'm sorry, I should have been more enthusiastic. But, uh, look, I know Mrs. TRG doesn't feel that way exactly, but we won. And I also know that some of you out there are probably saying, are you kidding me? You're really not particularly happy about this? In the middle of a pandemic, you traveled all kinds of places, stayed in free and discounted rooms, had fun, ate meals out, and finished with more money than you started. What kind of fool are you to feel bad about that? And I don't feel bad, folks. I, I recognize that I accomplished what I set out to do. I just would have preferred to do better. And that's kind of the standard I hold myself to. So, not unhappy. Realize it's something that uh, many, many, many people would like to be able to do. Would like to, I mean, be able from a skill point of view, but just have the opportunity to go do. Um, if, you, if your closest ho hotel and casino is Atlantic City, you can't do a whole bunch of this stuff. Because you can't eat, drink, smoke in the building. You, you've got to get takeout food and go to a hotel room and hide if, if, if that's something you want to do. So I, I don't want to come across as thinking that we're not blessed and fortunate. I know we are, and, and in our quiet moments, we certainly feel that way. Our next segment is A Moment of casino wisdom. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Today, we are going to discuss Casino Wisdom number 60. Have a win stack. I said in episode one that while core concepts are strategy, wisdoms are tactics. And we have money management strategies like not gambling money you cannot afford to lose, setting win and loss standards for exiting a table, and having a plan for continuing a win when it's happening. 
This wisdom is a tactic I developed from my experiences managing money at a casino table in the process of the game going on. And different people, by my observation, have different approaches to what they do with their chips while they're at the table. I've seen people do what I call the heap, which is just if you kind of splashed all the tables on the felt and pushed them like into a pile like Legos, and, and it's just a random multicolored pile, and they just pick out of it what they think they need. Others stack chips by colors. Still others just have a single stack of chips regardless of the color, sometimes with random colors mixed in. Others have neat short stacks. Five red chips, four green chips, very carefully laid out. Some people, especially it seems to me poker players, they juggle their chips. With one hand, they've got a stack of chips and they're constantly, with one hand, as I said, dividing them into two small stacks and then interweaving them back into a single stack. And I don't know why that seems to be common to poker players, but every time I see a poker player at a, back, a blackjack table taking a break from poker, that's what they do with their chips. Over time, I've settled on having a play stack and a separate, physically separate, win stack. I mean, sometimes I don't actually have the win stack. Okay, true enough. But the plan is always to have a win stack. Let me give you an example using a $10 unit. So the buy-in is $100. I'd probably make two stacks of 10 chips near my left hand. That's what I call my play stack. It's also the buy-in stack. That's the money we're going to try to use to make money. So the first bet's $10, and if I win that, I take the two chips I won, and I start a stack a few inches away from the other two stacks. And that's my win stack. I lose the next bet, and I take another four chips off the play stack to make my two-unit martingale bet. And if I win that bet, I build my play stacks back to 10 each, and I put two more chips on the win stack. So just a tiny wrinkle here that I do, which is this. If we're on the progressive side of TRG wagering system number one, if I win two bets in a row, adding four chips to the win stack, in fact, maybe at this point, the win stack is actually two stacks side by side, and as I said, several inches away from the play stack. And of course, the play stacks are at full 10 chips each. So when I go to make the next bet, I'd take two chips from the play stack, and I'd take one chip from the win stack. So that I'm pushing up my bet, but I'm pushing it up with house money, one money, it's my money now, it's not the house's, but that's what we call it when we're playing with one money as gamblers. I'm not using my buy-in to press the bet. I'm using money I didn't have when I sat down. If I win that $15 bet, two chips go on the win stack, and one chip from the win, gets added to the bet in the circle. Again, pushing it up with money won, not money brought to the table. This process allows me to make money management choices very quickly. Just a glance at the play stack and I know how many units I'm down. The interesting thing for me is that sometimes I'll, I'll get a surprise. I'll be feeling like, and maybe it's because of pushes and that kind of stuff, but I'll be feeling like I'm really getting beat up and that things aren't going very well. And then I look down and the play stack is only short three chips. And it's like, okay, why, why was I thinking I was getting so beat up here? I'm fine. I'm, I'm three chips short in my play stack, and, and my win stack has 12 chips. I Somehow, my mental, emotional point of view has slid out of the way a little bit. 
which is exactly what this kind of approach to stacking chips does for me. If I'm using one of those advanced leaving strategies where I've done a partial rebuy, the plate stack is telling me how much of a comeback I need to make to have a full buy-in amount equal to play and as I'm building that win stack I'm constantly watching to get that win stack off the table because what I'm doing is pulling off that rebuy and getting fully back out of that situation and, and back to the 10 units at risk that, that I'd really like to be at. So that's casino wisdom number 60. Have a win stack, a money management tactic I use to stay organized and informed when gambling. As always, our final segment is a trip to the VIP lounge. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. The doors are open and the lights are on. We did have to do some remodeling to the lounge though, so beer and wine are now on the left. Adult beverages are at the back of the bar. The local handcrafted sodas and artisanal pop are on the right. So grab a glass, make yourself comfortable. Today's story I want to share is about a very strange random event and me having Jedi powers for about an hour or so. And unfortunately, I didn't really realize it till the next morning. So many years ago, I'm playing in the high limit room at what we've been calling casino number one. I'm spending the night. It's just past last call, so we're approaching two o'clock in the morning. The dealer is shuffling, I'm up a fair amount, and I just stand up to stretch. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to stick around another shoe or two or call it a night. And so a man I don't know taps me on the shoulder and says, are you done? And I say, I don't know, might play another shoe or two. I just got a drink. They usually don't clear the alcohol off the tables back here very aggressively, but you're welcome to join me. And he says, how much for you to go ahead and just leave now? And not knowing what to say, I say, $1,000. And he says, great, reaches in his pocket and hands me an orange $1,000 chip. And I'm almost speechless, which you may have guessed doesn't happen to me very often. I thought I'd ask for a ridiculous sum of money and I didn't really want to leave, but I'm a man of my word. So I left and let him have the table. And as I'm leaving the high limit area, the security team is getting all the alcohol off the floor per state law. And a member of the team approaches me saying, sir, I'm gonna to need to take that drink. No alcohol on the casino floor. I didn't break stride. I just waved my hand and said, there's no alcohol in this glass. And he says, all right, there's no alcohol in that glass. So <laughs> I cash my chips, I check in on some friends and, and I wrap up my evening. And the next morning it hits me. I had Jedi mind powers and I used them to influence that security official. And I, I didn't even realize it. I tried levitating some things in my room and that, as you would assume, did not actually happen. Um, so apparently whatever Jedi mind powers I had for a few brief moments the night before, they were very short lived. I swing back to the high limit room because the floor who was there last night at two o'clock is gonna be just finishing his shift. And so I said, hey, what, uh, what was going on with that guy last night? And he says, well, the other table had three girls playing and the gentleman in question just decided to deal with you and not three of them. Apparently, 
This particular player was currently ahead of the casino by roughly $1.5 million. He would come in early in the morning, find an empty table, or buy one, and then they play the max bet, which was $5,000 a hand, on three hands, so a total of $15,000, and he would play all kinds of crazy stuff, nothing in, anywhere, in any way resembling basic strategy blackjack. He would stand on a two-card six because he was sure that in two hands he was going to need the fourth card in the shoe to make a nine that he was going to double against an eight turn into a 19. Strange stuff. I wish actually that I'd have watched it happen. It, it would have been incredibly informative, frustrating if I'd have been playing, but fun to just watch. Apparently, a few days before, he had come in at 2 a.m., quickly lost $40,000, left, returned with 60000 in cash, won the 40k back, and another 30k besides. A very big bankroll indeed. But that was the easiest $1,000 I've ever made in a casino. And I learned my lesson. If and when it ever happens again, I'm asking for $2,000. I've spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand. I was born a rambling man. If you have questions, send them to questions at casinocombat.com. If you have techniques to share, send them to what I do at casinocombat.com. Don't forget, we spell combat with a K. Love it, hate it, it doesn't matter. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. Goodbye, everybody.